no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. On today's show, we recap the Bears' Week 12 defeat against the New York Jets and much, much more. And A-Dub, not only did we lose, man, but we lost your boy Money Moon and BoJack, man. Damn, what a day. A tough loss, and it's tough to lose two of the players that you rely on a lot. And to lose Money Moon, man, that means the bank going to be closed, Frizz. It's down for renovation, baby. Yeah, and, and, and listen, man, I don't want to make any jokes against Money Moon because, you know, you and I have had that going back and forth on the show. Yeah, unfortunately, the bank will be closed. But, hey, hopefully that bank will reopen next year and it'll be bigger and better than ever. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I hope for, man. I want to see this guy bounce back. I know it's tough on him right now, Perez, not having the opportunity to play, going through injury. That's a process in itself. I'll tell you one thing, man. They need to get rid of that turf, man. That turf at MetLife Stadium, it was taking Bears players left and right. We saw Bojack, obviously, Mooney. We saw Borum go down. It, Man, that, that turf, they just need to do something about it, man. I know Eberflus and many others talked about the safety of the players. That is one thing they're going to have to continue to look at, Perez. I also remember Kyle Fuller tore his knee up at MetLife Stadium. So they need to really figure something out with this, with this turf. I'm, and I've been saying that for a very long time that these players need to be on natural grass surfaces. Like you have to make sure that you're keeping your player safety paramount. There's no way that you should have two guys, non-contact injuries out for the year, non-contact injuries. Get the grass out there, man. Do something with that turf. And hopefully whatever they decide to do going forward, it's all in favor of the safety of these players. Man, when it comes to Bojack, man, I mean, you talk about a guy that turned it around. I mean, he had a two-year time frame here where, you know, we were going after him a bit. The fan base was going after him a little bit. Everybody was looking at this guy like, where are you at, Bojack? You got that big contract extension, and then you disappeared. And right. I feel like this season, A-Dub, not going to say it's been perfect for Bojack because I feel like the first six games of the season, hey, that brother, he was all pro. The back half, he's been okay. But if you put it all together, what a comeback season for Eddie Jackson, man. And it's just a shame that he's not going to be able to finish the season, you know, with the with the team because he suffered that Liz Frank injury. He came, had he had a bounce back year. He done very well, like you said, through those first six games. But the thing is, you see the change in him. You see a total different Eddie Jackson this season. And that guy was getting back to being that ball hawk, man, out there making – impactful plays and now this injury season ending man that's got to be tough and I feel bad for him after all what he did after all what he's gone through and then to have a bounce back season like this here to now be shattered this way it's got to be tough and on top of that so you mentioned that he got back to being that ball hawk I also want to commend him on the fact of that leadership that he showed not only to that secondary but to that defense itself they were talking to some of his teammates, and they were saying how, like, Eddie Jackson hosted Thanksgiving dinner. He had people over at his house, not just one or two times, but said 
he created a, a sense of camaraderie on that team and was always having people over at his crib. He stepped into that leadership void that was left when Roquan and Robert Quinn got traded from that team. Stepping in, doing that for your teammates, even though he's not going to be able to play. I hope that he finds a way to still be one of those guys who's, who are in those players' ear and help continue to motivate them. Oh, I'm sure he will be. I'm sure he will be. And I'm sure he'll still have, you know, sessions where people can come over to his crib because they were saying that, like, he'll have people over for haircuts and he'll have people over for film review and film study. So I'm sure he'll just be doing all those things. The only thing is you just won't have him on the field right now. Now, another thing to keep in mind now with, with Eddie Jackson, he's got two years left on that contract extension. And while I don't expect the Bears to release him or anything like that, he's pretty much proven to Ryan Poles that he's a key cog and leader on this defense. You may see Ryan Poles decide to, to let Eddie Jackson run it back again next season. I hope so, Perez. Uh, just an unfortunate injury that occurred, right, that cost the rest of the season. But he has played, like you're not said, so well. And he's been, again, stepping to a leadership shadow as well. It's like, man, you don't want to see a guy go out like that. Yeah, and then over to Darnell Mooney before we get into the recap of the game. The guy's still only 25 years old, you know, and he and Justin Fields shown that they have a decent rapport with one another. They get along very well. They train the shit ton together. Also, the Bears have made it known that they want to extend him. So we know that Darnell Mooney's going to be here for some time. It's tough to see him go down with this type of injury, A-Dub, where it's ending his season and, and landing him on, on IR. But Cole Komet said it best in the presser. He was like, look, he said that he's in good spirits after the news, and he said he's going to have a great attitude towards this. And for what we know about Darnell Mooney, A-Dub, we know that the kid's going to work his ass off, and he'll get back, and he'll be better and stronger than that. Money Moon, we're looking forward to seeing you get back right, man. It was just a brutal day in general. You lose those two guys to those season-ended injuries, A-Dub, on top of the fact that we got smoked 31 to 10. <laughs> just, a, just a really, really weird day. I mean, we knew going into it more than likely that Justin wasn't going to play. We saw when they elevated Nathan Peterman up from the practice squad to the active roster. I'm like, okay, that's leading all signs of leading to Justin Fields is not going to play in this game. Because we all knew that, hey, the kid was banged up. We don't want to see him hurt himself any further. So the fact that the team made the right call with keeping Justin Fields out, going a different direction, that was the right thing to do. We knew that Justin wasn't going to play. We assumed that Trevor Simeon was going to be the backup. Then we get reporting that Trevor Simeon suffered an injury during warmups and that Nathan Peterman was going to be the starter. And I'm sitting here just looking at this thing like, are they serious? <laughs> I'm like, Nathan Peterman, the guy on this show that, that I've clowned because all he does is throw picks. I'm like, he's going to start for us? I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is going to be a nightmare. And then <laughs> minutes before the game, they switch it up again and say, no, on second thought, Trevor Simeon is going to be your starting quarterback. They talked to Trevor Simeon about this after the game, and what he said was he felt like he was letting the team down because he said he knows there are numerous people on that team right now that are playing injured, that are playing hurt. And he said, you know what, he couldn't live with himself if he didn't give it a shot. And so for that alone, I give Trevor Simeon props for going out there and giving it all for his teammates. You know what I mean? Now, the, the final result was trash. <laughs> but, but salute to him, man, for going out there and toughing it out. And he gave it a go. And I think he had all the right to decide to sit out. He decided not to. He decided to go to war with the team and show the team that he was there for them. So I got to salute him for that, Perez. 
he actually came out and played solid overall. But, you know, but I got to give him credit for sticking with the team and going out there to fight. Well, I mean, he did lead the Bears to scores on his first two drives, right? Yeah. So that part was positive. But unfortunately, A-Dub, it was all downhill after that. Yeah, it was downhill after that, bro. You pretty much talk about that second half, a total different half. Well, okay, so let's just talk about the first half, though. We kept it close in that first half. Like yep. I said, scored on those first two possessions. But again, to your point, when that second half came around, that shit was just – it was awful, man. I mean, we got dominated by the Jets. They outscored us 14 to nothing in that second half. And when you talk about a defense that was already depleted, no Jaquan Brister, right? You had no Kyler Gordon. And what did I tell the audience in the preview part about Mike White? I said, the last time the Jets had him out there, the guy snapped and threw for four touchdowns. Yeah. I said, I said, I didn't know which Mike White we were going to get. We were going to get the four touchdown Mike White or the one that, that the Bills saw. And unfortunately, <laughs> right. we ended up getting four touchdown Mike White, and he lit our asses up. Yeah, Mike White looked good, Prez. He had everything going into his favor. We had a banged-up secondary out there for the Bears, and it didn't help. So he just took full advantage of the opportunity. And also knowing the fact that Justin Fields didn't play, you and I have already talked about our defensive line, how we have not been able to get pressure out there on, on quarterbacks. So everything kind of worked in his favor, really. It did because he was going up against a battered group. But I'm also not going to take anything away from the fact that, hey, he made the throws that need to be made. He was the perfect game manager. And you could tell that Jets team – they was fired up with him back there, quarterback. And you remember what I told y'all about Zach Wilson last week? He put his fucking foot in his mouth with that organization, got benched. <laughs> hey, you know what, bro? You can kiss your job goodbye because Mike White stole that shit while you was resting, son. Man, I don't think Mike White going to lose that job anytime Hell soon, Chris. No. <laughs> Hell no. Uh-uh. No, sir. No, sir. This man went from the third string quarterback to the starting quarterback. And honestly, I feel like all this is, is the coach of the Jets, Salah. He's trying to basically motivate his second overall pick in the draft. He's trying to get through to him. He's trying to teach him about being a leader. And he's letting him know, don't take this shit for granted because I'll take this shit from you. And I think coach teach him a valuable lesson. If you want to be the leader of this group, you got to earn that. You got to earn the players around you their respect. You can't earn it then you can't lead the troops. Looking at this offense in this ball game, we knew an offense where Justin Fields wasn't leading it was going to be trouble. We knew an offense that, while you still had David Montgomery back there who was running the ball very hard and effectively, but yeah. not having Khalil Herbert there, right? Not having Justin Fields in that element of being able to utilize his legs. You knew things were going to be a little tough. But yeah. that offense straight just bogged down there in that second half. I mean, the best possession they had in that second half, they had that 13-play drive, but they didn't get any points because they turned the ball over and down. It's like when they start to get something going, they couldn't finish the job. Mm-mm. But you're right. That second half got off to a bad start. I mean, on the first possession, Perez, Simeon was sacked. Yep. And it was like down here from there, right, for a while. It was like, hey, can the Bears get back on track? They weren't able to do so because what you saw is the difference between Trevor and Justin Fields. You saw a huge difference right there. The fact that Justin Fields know how to break tackles and 
make you miss. And it's nothing against Simeon. It's just that he just wasn't Justin Fields. And when you're not that kind of a difference maker, you become one-dimensional in a way. And I think the Bears couldn't get out of that. And it just helped in favor of the Jets because they knew what the Bears was going to try to do. And it was pretty much checkmate on us the rest of that second half. And uh, one point that I wanted to make and piggyback off what you said, which I think is a really good point. When you look at Justin Fields' skill set, yeah, and you look at what Trevor Simeon does, total different games, total different skill sets. I think what's important for Ryan Poles to do this offseason is to get a quarterback as a backup that has a comparable skill set to what Justin Fields does, right? So look good at point. the Baltimore Ravens. Now you got Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson is hurt, they can go to Huntley. And not to say that they're the same quarterback talent-wise, but they have the same skill set so you can still run your system. You can still run your offense, right? And right. so when you have a guy like Luke Getty who wants continuity and he wants to run his offense a certain way, well, you can't run your offense the same way when Justin Fields is out because of who your backup quarterback is. So I think right. it's going to be really imperative for the Bears to really look at that in the draft. Who's a quarterback that they could potentially draft? that has like that similar type of skill set. So you're not losing anything in case your starter goes down. And, and in our case, Justin Fields, our franchise quarterback. I like that where you're going there because you're right. You want to keep the same game plan. You want to do some of the same things you've done in the past that made you successful. You got to have a similar type quarterback who can do the same thing. So you're right. If the Bears do go in that direction, they will have to figure out who complement, who's a complimentary player or a type of player like Justin Fields is. And therefore, you, you put everybody in the same similar situations that they've always been in. You can game plan that way going forward. And I'm just, man, it just, in that game, bro, it just reminded me of how much fun it was to watch Justin Fields running that offense. And that game on Sunday against the Jets was just dull. It was boring. I was just sitting there just like, when is this thing over, man? <laughs> you know, and I hate to be like that, but I'm like, just to just make the game fun. We would be losing, and I'm still over here having fun watching Bears games. So now when you have a, the, the quarterback in there that doesn't excite us, <laughs> we're losing. You just feel like you're just taking nails all over the place. And, I mean, we're a three-and-nine ball club, bro. Injuries after injuries after injuries on this team right now. It's, it's hard to find things to be optimistic about. But I'm telling you, Justin was that thing on the team that we would be like, hey, we got this quarterback back here. He's making things happen. Because you saw in this game, A-Dub, going up against that Jets defensive front, Trevor Simeon does not have that same ability to escape pressure the way Justin Fields does. And so now, with Justin Fields not being there, he's covering up so many things. He's covering up the offensive line being bad because they look really bad in that game against the Jets. He also right. covers up the fact that, hey, that rushing offense for the Bears, it looked great when Justin was back there. Well, when Justin was out, Khalil Herbert is out, that rushing offense was kind of average. Yeah, it's hard to do design runs with Trevor because he doesn't have the speed, of course, of a Justin Fields, and he can't run like Justin Fields, right? He just doesn't have that kind of a talent. And, and then you look at the fact, Perez, of how the offense flow in general. You had times where the Bears was getting out the huddle so late. You had Trevor Simeon waiting too long to, to, to get the play going, changing plays or whatever. You got Eberflus having to call timeout 
and right. things of nature. It's like this looks ugly, bro. And with Justin Fields, you really don't have those kind of problems. You have that continuity with the team in that manner. But with Trevor, you can see that there's some bumps in the road. And A-Dub, I got a public service announcement to those Bears fans that I saw on Twitter that was actually trying to talk themselves into believing that Trevor Simeon is a better quarterback than Justin Fields when he led them on those back-to-back scoring drives. <laughs> I was looking at that stupidity, and I'm like, y'all are crazy. I'm like, leave it to Bears fans <laughs> that have been hyping up Justin Fields all season to the backup quarterback scores twice in, in, in his game starting, and now all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, Trevor Simmons better than Justin Fields. I'm like, you can't make this shit up, A-Dub. You can't make it up. Because Trevor Simeon showed you guys, the ones that thought that he was better than Justin Fields, why he's a backup quarterback. He's a backup quarterback in this league for a reason. And he did show that when the Jets decide they want to play. And I'm one of those guys who are quite transparent. I thought early in the game, the Jets did look like they looked in the second half. Look, it took they feel off the gas. They realized Justin Fields wasn't the quarterback. They realized the Bears team coming in banged up with part of the secondary. I thought they took the Bears a little light. But the second half, or late in the second quarter, you saw the Jets start to turn things up, turn the heat up a little bit, start to play even a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball. And then second half, you saw their defense really start to show up even more. So you got to look at and see, okay, how the Jets look the first few, the first quarter, versus how they look the second, third, and fourth quarter. Yeah, and I would say, even though we only scored 10 points in this ballgame, this was a team that I was hyping up. I mean, this was a team in the Jets defense that I was saying how, hey, hey, there could be a problem, and they are a problem. Yeah. Well, with Trevor Simeon there, there were some opportunities they had when they were able to move the football. They weren't able to capitalize on it. And I feel like if Justin would have played in this game, which I'm glad he didn't, because he would have had a great chance of re-injuring that shoulder even more. Right. But think about how he's led this offense to those over 30-point-per-game averages. I think Justin Fields could have turned it up on the Jets. Oh, I think so. I'm with you, Perez. I thought the same thing. And I think the way Justin Fields plays in general that you and I talked about, right, with his legs, with these design runs, that is a game changer because you don't know when Justin Fields is going to take off. And the fact that Justin Fields have gotten better, you and I talked about, Perez, we're reading the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a problem, bro. He's a problem for any of these teams. You heard what the previous coaches were saying about him. They're like, man, look, this dude is a headache. Justin yep. Fields is a headache. So the Jets, do you really want to face a Justin Fields type of quarterback? No, because he has a different element, a different dimension when he has the ball in his hands, and you don't want that smoke. No, they didn't want that smoke. It worked out for them. And also for us Bears fans, it worked out. You have a lot of people in the fan base, A-Dub, that are actively rooting for the team to lose games for a higher draft pick. And I know some people may feel a way about that, but right. you guys can't dispute the fact that the Bears now hold the number two pick in next year's draft. I mean, I mean, they're not going to solve all their problems in one draft and one offseason where they have all this money, but hey, that's another step in the right direction. When you potentially are going to have the number two pick in the draft, we already knew that this season was not going to be about wins and losses, not going to retrace what we've already talked to you guys about. But this is going according to Ryan Poles' plan. This is another opportunity for him to do so. I mean, you get a top two draft pick for his, that can put your franchise in a good spot, a good place, especially when you have all that capital. Let's flip over to the defensive side. We, we talked about the offense briefly. We're going to kind of get into more of that in depth here. But I just feel like a the Allen Williams, we're going to have to start 
holding this man a little bit more accountable than we have. Like, you know, we, we've gone after Luke Getzey a little bit on the show. Yeah. Alan Williams, hey, <laughs> these defensive struggles, bro, they are continuing. And I know that we can have every excuse in the book about who we lost and who we traded and the injuries. I understand. But, man, they're giving away too many damn points. Five games in a row now, over 27 points per game. I can understand, okay, fine. You might be overmatched uh, talent-wise on the defense. But there's things on that defense or film that I saw that really pissed me off, A-Dub. Missed tackles. Blown coverages, bro. And that's what helped that game get out of reach. And so my whole thing is this. Yeah, fine. You may say talent, Prez. They don't have talent on the defense. But effort, that's another thing. Knowing your fucking assignments. And those are the things right now with this defense that we're not seeing. To add to what you're saying, Perez, I don't want to hear people make excuses because it was raining out there. You know, both teams got to play in that type of condition. But you can't be out there missing tackles. Wow. I mean, in the secondary missing tackles, the running backs running through, they getting by, and the defense are missing tackles on them as well. That's too much, man. You're giving up too much ground. And all these guys doing the Jets is getting positive yards and what they end up doing, right? Help them get into the end zone. So you got to be better. I know Iberflux talks a lot about the hits principle and all that stuff, Chris. But when you're not giving the effort that you're not talking about, Chris, or you're not tackling right, the hits principle is now being questioned a little bit. Are we doing enough of that? And I heard, of course, Iberflux talk about it. He feels highly of it that it's still working effectively. However, Against the Jets, I really didn't see that. No, and I would say this. I believe in his principle, and I think that in theory, it makes sense. It's great. But right now, all I see is our team getting hit upside the fucking head. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't that because yeah. we knew this damn game was over when Mike White threw that touchdown pass to Elijah Moore. That was in yeah. the third quarter of the game. That shit was a wrap. I was like, it's 24 to 10. They ain't, we ain't coming back in this ball game, bro. Because at that point, the New York Jets defense was suffocating the hell out of us. We couldn't get anything going. And, I mean, we had a few drives that was promising, but they stopped us. And I'll tell you one thing, man, that Jets team, hey, they look pretty dominated in that game, and they may be a team to be reckoned with come playoff time. I mean, when you see your quarterback out there throwing touchdowns and making big plays, you feeling pretty high and very confident. And you're right, this Jets team seems to be getting stronger week by week. No, I mean, that's total facts there. To me, it was just a rude awakening that, that Mike White came in here and just lit us up the way that he did. And even when the Bears defense was healthy, because like I said, I want to keep making sure that people understand where I'm going with this. Even when this Bears defense was healthy, it was still one of the worst units in the league. And so this is why I was hoping that Zach Wilson would have played in that game because I was like, we'd have had a chance. <laughs> and I yeah. told y'all, if they was going to the backup, whether it was White, whether it was Flacco, I knew we was going to be in trouble. And it turned out to be that way. And it was more, it was worse than I envisioned. I mean, because I thought the game was going to be a little closer than that. I mean, that thing right there, it was ugly. It was ugly. I mean, Mike White had the game of his life. He did have the game of his life. But what really upset me, Prez, about the game, because you alluded to this point here, was how much time White had to pass the ball. 
I mean, Perez, it was a third and fourth that he got on Hicks. It was like White was in the back in that pocket, Perez, for such a long time. He surveyed the field several times before he made that pass. And I'm like, is anybody going to put any pressure on this quarterback? If you get quarterbacks that kind of a time, Perez, most quarterbacks in the NFL will hurt you. And White took full advantage. We only had one sack in this ballgame. That was from Armin Watts. And it was also the first sack in two games. Unacceptable. So to the point you were making, you can't give any quarterback in the NFL that kind of time. But Mike White, Joe White, it don't fucking matter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I hear you there. Not even just the, the passing game, A-Dub. They ran the ball on us with reckless abandon. Michael Carter got hurt. It didn't matter. Shit. The backup, Bam Knight, he came in running the ball all over us. Ty Johnson running the ball all over us and then scoring a touchdown, looking back and pointing at Jalen Johnson. I was like, the disrespect, these disrespectful motherfuckers. Okay. I See, swear, we, man. We got clowned. We got clowned out there. And I always thought players would take those kind of things personally, but it felt like the Bears didn't do that. When you see Ty Johnson going in for a touchdown, I'm like, come on, players. Come on, guys. Look how this guy looking. Look how he's acting. That should bother you. And it should stink a little bit. It should. Now, offensively, now we talked about it earlier. <laughs> no Justin Fields. <laughs> you got a lot of problems on that offense. And we saw right. it, right? I really want to make sure that I hit on this point one more time for people. See what Justin Fields has been able to do despite this offensive line, despite the limited weapons around him. It should make each and every one of you even more excited for when he finally gets some talent around him. Because once that happens, it's a wrap. And that's why Ryan Poles, yeah, it's all cute and fine. The honeymoon period, you good now. Everybody's happy with you with the salary cap situation. Right. Everybody's okay, cool. You know, you got all these draft picks. But, brother, this is about to be the biggest offseason of your career, your life, the Chicago Bears franchise. There's a lot riding on you this offseason. You have one job to do, and that is to surround Justin Fields with weapons where he can take this thing to the next level. One of the most important things Perez have always talked about is protecting Justin Fields. The offensive line that Perez hits on a lot of, a lot of times, you got to do something with that. You got to get the guys some weapons, right? Who we throwing to? That still matters as well. You got Money Moon. You don't know what's going to happen afterwards, of course, with his injury, of course. You got to see what's going to happen, how things take place. You got Claypool. What else can you do to enhance this offense and help Justin Fields get to that next step? Well, I mean, speaking of Claypool, this is the most action we've seen from him since he got traded to the Bears. He played almost 70% of the snaps. Caught two passes for 51 yards, but it was all in the first quarter. So what happened? Right. The first quarter, you guys were targeting him, taking shots downfield. They even took some shots against Sauce Gardner. I was like, I like that. But then you yeah. went away from play fool the rest of the game. Why? I don't That's get that. That part, I got to look at Luke and say, hey, did you put Claypool in the right position to continue to be effective in this game? And I think that is something that Luke didn't do a good job in, especially in that second half, Perez, because you're right. Claypool got lost in action. And that's yeah. not on Claypool. That's on Luke. 
No, it's definitely on Luke, and it's been on Luke this whole time. I don't understand why Claypool has not been more involved. Now, one guy that was super involved was David Montgomery. Yeah. I feel like he had his best game since week two, running the football hard, bro. Woo! Man, the way he was hitting the hole, I was like, yeah, he's running hungry. He's running like a guy that's like, no, nah, I'm going to need my money. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, pay up, bro. You got to pay up, man. Because, I mean, I like the way he played, Perez. You're right. You ran extremely hard. He came out and showed some of his value, and I like that from David Montgomery. Byron Pringle. We had a Byron Pringle sighting. You know, Trevor Simeon brought him back from the dead. So, you know, Byron Pringle scored a touchdown. I mean, that's a, a guy that we've all been sitting over here waiting for him to do something. And so, you know, he made something happen there in that game. And hopefully Byron Pringle with Darnell Mooney being out, maybe we can see a little bit more for him coming down the stretch of this season. Um, that touchdown he got, he actually stole that one. I mean, he kind of like took the, the ball out of the defender hand, you know, it was a toss up and he stole that one and he got in the end zone. So good for him. But I want to see more good plays out of Brian Pringle down the road. He has to be effective and show his value to this team. Another thing I wanted to, to, to touch on in this matchup is the coaching staff. Now, I've been very critical of Iberflus. I've been very critical of Luke Getty. But I have to give the coaching staff and also the front office kudos for the decision not to start an injured Justin Fields in that game. Yes. Wet weather conditions, ugly football game. And Luke Getty already telling you that he wasn't going to change the way he was going to call those plays if Justin would have played with Robert Sala telling you that he was going to hit that man and hit that man, yeah, that was going to just be a recipe for disaster. There was absolutely no reason they did to play Justin. I'm glad they didn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also liked how Matt Eberflus kind of milked that decision because he took it all the way up to inactives. They even had Justin out on the field before the game kind of doing some little – you know, he was doing – he made a couple throws. It wasn't like he was doing anything all that involved. They knew he wasn't playing, but they were giving the Jets something to think about, you know what I'm saying, making <laughs> sure the Jets were still preparing for Justin right. Fields. That's always a smart move, man. You don't want to show your hand too soon. You're looking for a, an edge over the competition. I thought Eberfuss played his cards very well. Yeah, he did. But the game winners, everybody expected, you know, you, I, even Michael. Shout out to you, Michael. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We all knew, like, hey, this team is not gonna, <laughs> it's not gonna get the job done. You know, it's just it's just not. You know, nobody was expecting the Bears offense to be better with Trevor Simeon. Nobody was expecting this offense to get better with Trevor Simeon, and it damn sure wasn't expecting that with no damn Nathan Peterman. I still don't know why he's on a damn practice score. I don't understand that shit for the life of me. Somebody please explain that. Somebody explain it. If y'all have a good explanation. Man, I might give you an Amazon gift card. Somebody explain to me. Well, I'm quite sure someone being a DM was giving you an explanation on Peter Press. <laughs> so look out for it, bro. Yeah, just because it's an explanation don't mean it's a good one or one that's going to make sense. But <laughs> I'll be open-minded to listening. So somebody explain <laughs> it to me because I don't have anything. I got nothing for you. Nothing for you. And I'm just going to tell you, what we saw here was a bad football team, which is what the Bears are. They play like such. There was no big revelation this week. We're a three and nine football team, five game loser streak, A dub. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what else is there to say? Bears are the Bears are who we thought they are. I mean, that's plain and simple. Denny Green said it best. That's the way I feel about this team. We are who we are. I mean, I had a lot of hope, of course, early on. And now things are where they are at this point. The defense, not where we thought it would be. The offense, 
everything about Justin Fields. And that's not always enough. You need a good balance, and that's something we have not been getting over the last five weeks. Now, I am going to nitpick on Justin about one thing, y'all. audience. I'm going to nitpick number one real quick. Now, while I know that Trevor Simeon is not anywhere near on his level, there was one thing, well, there was a couple things that Trevor Simeon did well that I hope that Justin can improve upon. And what that is is the timing on Justin's throws. Yes. Getting the ball out of his hands quicker. These are all things that I've talked about in the past. These are still some areas that I think Justin can be better at because on those drives where Trevor Simeon looked really good, that was when they were running quick pass. That's when they were getting the screens out. Then they were getting the ball downfield with Trevor Simeon, which is boom, getting the ball out of his hands quick. Those are some things right there that I think Justin, and I hope that he was watching, and I hope that he when he does film work and the film breakdown, he kind of see how Trevor Simeon was kind of working through the offense, working through his reads, and just getting that ball out quick. Because Trevor Simeon was brought up in a, in a style of offense like this. When he was with the Denver Broncos, he thrived in that scheme. You know what I'm saying? Justin Fields isn't that type of quarterback. And so he's still developing. We know he's going to get better. But I think that right now, when you look at what Lou Getze is running with this team, we have to be cognizant of who Justin is. And let's not try to force him to be something that he's not. But I still think these are a couple of things that Justin could tweak and get better. But when you got a guy like Justin Fields with that playmaking ability, man, you just got to let that guy roll. You just got to let him be who he is. When it's Justin Fields, I think Luke had to allow Justin Fields to be Justin Fields and play off his strengths. You're right. right. There are some things that Justin Fields can't improve upon. I do like that thought process you brought forward with what Trevor was doing very well, getting rid of that football very well, very quickly. That's what the Red Rifle also did, too. When he was quarterback for the Bears, he got rid of football quickly. That's just something that, you're right, is going to take growth from Justin Fields. And I think he can get there for us. may take a little bit, little bit time, a little bit more time than what we expect. But I believe he's going to get to that point to where he is making those quick passes. But right now, I do enjoy us utilizing what he does best. Exactly. Because with a guy like that, you don't want to stun his development by bottling him up, making him do one thing, and and trying to coach out his playmaking tendencies, right? Like, you want right. to make sure that he keeps those playmaking tendencies there, but we're just tightening up the areas that he can be better at. You know what I'm saying? So Exactly. I just think that right there, I think that was a really good opportunity for Justin to learn. And obviously, I mentioned offensively, we got to continue to get Chase Claypool involved, especially now with Money Moon out. Hey, Chase Claypool is the number one guy. There's no if and nor buts about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got to get him the fucking football, bro. Got to get him the football. Let Chase eat. It's just exciting to see that football in Chase's hands. And I think right now, this is the right time to unleash him. If there's any concerns about him in the playbook, you help him understand what he needs to do to play at least 70 to 80% of the snaps. And I think seeing Chase out there for his, to me, can be a game changer. And I just hope for the best for him going forward. Well, we need to see that. Because outside of Mooney, Claypool is the only receiver on that 2023 roster. I know Velas Jones is listed on there as well, audience, but we already know, man, he's not a finished product from a wide receiver standpoint. So right. You know what I'm saying? So right now, those are the three. So I'm looking at Mooney and Claypool and like, hey, Y'all the only two wideouts on this damn roster right now that's going to be on the 2023 team. So, with that being said, I need a strong finish from Claypool. If he's still learning the offense, cool. 
but let's get the ball in his hand. There are certain plays they that they can call to get that ball in this guy's hands where he can make plays out there, and that's right. what we need to see. Put the ball in his hands. Let's do what's going to work for him and let the guy play. And I want to see him and Justin Fields continue to evolve together, you know, when Justin Fields get back out there, you know. I would love to see him and Chase continue their development, their working relationship together, because I think that can be something nice for us if they continue to evolve. But as I mentioned earlier, I know fans, that draft pick is appealing to y'all. The draft capital that Ryan Poles has put together is, is definitely looking really good. But again, there's a lot of holes with this team that you're not going to fix with just one particular draft. It so can really help, but it's not going to be all in one draft. It's not going to be all in one offseason. And so we all have to learn that it's a process with this thing. But I feel like we got to trust the process. It's moving in the right direction. Ryan Poles has a plan. It's pretty clear, right? I feel like we all can see the plan. It's coming to fruition. You yep. just got to be patient. Let it let it play out. Yeah, we got to let it play out, Perez. I think for all of us who are watching, it's going to be important, as you everyone knows, who we draft and hope the draft pan out, right? It's not just about having the draft top, draft top two draft pick. It's about, hey, if you get one of those, you want to get the right guy and hopefully be able to be here for quite a while and make an impact on this team. But to your point, Perez, that's not the only thing that's going to help. We got to do more to help build this team up. And the fact that Ryan Poles got rid of a lot of players last season, then signed players back. He's in a situation now to where he can focus on building this team around just the fields and the pieces that work because he has a good idea of what's going on right now with the Bears team. All right, let's move this show along. Let's give out some game balls. Who's getting your game ball on offense, my bro? Game ball on offense goes to David Montgomery. Ooh, 32. 32 just took me back, Perez, to the things he used to do with this Bears organization, and just seeing him run that hard in the rain, breaking tackles, doing what he does best for his, getting out there in the field, running hard, running aggressively that you and I like to talk about. I mean, you just got to enjoy that hard running from him. And then, as I mentioned earlier, getting involved in the passing game, making an impact there when Trevor hits him. I mean, I got to like what he's done. I think for the most part, he done his part in that game. He carried that offense on his back, bro. I mean, if it weren't for him, shit, I, I don't know where we'd have been on Sunday because <laughs> not only did he get it done on the ground, but also in the air. Caught the ball well. So, no, nah, man, that guy right there, he showed you the David Montgomery that we've been asking for. Yep. They ask you shall receive. So <laughs> we was asking it. He he delivered. You know what I'm saying? He helped sustain drives with that running ability, eh, Doug? And and to be able to do that in a particular game against the Jets, kudos to David Montgomery. True that. I'm giving my offensive game ball to Chase Claypool. Okay. Now, now I know that a lot of his stuff was only in that first quarter, and it was only a couple of receptions. But I'll tell you one thing, brother. I love how he was aggressive against Sauce Gardner. He didn't back down from that challenge. Those guys were battling over there. He drew a pass interference on that guy. He did. And we saw a glimpse in this game of what Claypool could bring to this offense, a deep threat, somebody that could go up and get the football, somebody that's physical. Just wait till Justin Fields and Chase Claypool develop chemistry. It's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap when they do, Prez. And Claypool just left you with the desire of wanting more out of him, Perez. Like, hey, man, get the ball to Claypool. It's just exciting just to watch him out there, Perez, battle. Because I tell you, that guy had no problem going to war. So you're right. With those couple of catches he got, Perez, 
which is exciting to see. All right, defensively, I'm giving my game ball to my boy, Jack Sanborn. <laughs> man, you know I love this kid, man. I've been talking about him since preseason, but brother, he had yet another standout performance. Now, I know he missed the tackle on that touchdown. You guys don't have to remind me about that. I saw the shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But listen, A-Dub, he continues to carve out a nice role for himself on this defense. 15 tackles in that game against the Jets, bro. Sheesh. 11 of those were in the first half. And that's when the game was still kind of like in, within our grasp. 11, yep. 11 tackles in the first half of that ball game. He was all over the fucking football field. Like I said, man, this kid has a very bright future here in Chicago. He does. And there's nothing negative you really can say about Sanborn. He's a guy that you and I talked a lot about. Wants it. He gets it for his. And he's, he's seizing the moment. And kudos to him. I want to see him continue to do well, and I want to see him continue to grow. I went with DeAndre Houston Carson. I understand he wasn't a brisker. I get it, you know. The point is he was solid out there. I thought he held his own ground for the most part. I thought he battled out there. And the second, even though we're getting carved up, right, it's hard to say give a guy a game bowl when the secondary is getting beat that badly. But I still thought, he played solid, and I thought he held his own ground out there. He's making out there, making some plays. Hey, man, you know I love me some DHC, so I, I'm not even going to try to even hold you on that one. I, I think that's a, a solid one. I mean, when you have a defensive unit that this guy gashed, it's kind of hard to even find positives. But I think with the two guys that we talked about, I think those guys, they kind of stood out above the rest. All right, man, who's your underperformer? Your bear down for week 12. My underperformer. Is Dominique Robinson. Ooh, you're going after the rookie. Okay. okay. I'm going after my boy because you know I'm a fan of Dominique Robinson Perez. Yeah, you know, of course, of course, of course. Well, you and I rooted hard for him. We've seen some positives out of this kid. But I will tell you, Perez, I thought he would have been able to apply a little bit more pressure than what he was able to give out there. And I was watching him, some of his technique, he was getting beat, right? So I thought that, you know what, Dominique, I think he can be a lot better than what you have shown. And right now in that particular game, we needed you, and you didn't answer the bell. Well, he wasn't the only one. Travis Gibson, where are you at? You know, so yep. it, hey, it's a lot that could go go on with that. But I do understand where you're coming from. We need some pass rush. You know, without pass rush, our secondary could continue to get lit up. So, nah, I got nothing to say about that when they do it. My underperformer for week 12, and I'm sorry, Mama Borough. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> but it's going to Larry. Big Larry. <laughs> Big Larry Borum. I got to do it. I got to do it. First of all, I'm not picking on the guy, but it's been a rough year for him. It has. I mean, he lost his starting right tackle job to Riley Reef earlier in the season. Then when Riley Reef went down in the first quarter with an injury, Larry Borum got a chance to prove himself. Unfortunately, all we saw in this game from Borum is the reason why Riley Reef retained his starting job. The thing that when I saw on film with Larry Borm in this game that really made me rewind that tape a couple times and to scratch my head about him, he missed his assignment on a third Ooh. and three, and Trevor Simeon got sacked. He did. And I just looked at that and I said, come on, man. Second year in the league. Come on, bro. We had such big expectations for him. He was so solid and steady in preseason. Training camp, he looked good. 
the regular season comes up and it's just it is it didn't transfer and it didn't translate. And I expect this offseason that Ryan Poles is gonna overhaul that offensive line. Nobody's safe. And Larry, sorry I had to do it to you, but brother, it was painful watching you out there on film. And you're right on that third and three when Huff got back there. I was like, man, Larry, how you missed that one, man? How you missed that one? And I know he's kicking himself in the ass right now, Perez. He <laughs> looked at film and said, damn, how did I miss that one? I know he's salty on that play. And when you got the coaches looking at that play and you're looking at it multiple times, you're scratching your head and you wonder how you've been missed that assignment from the get-go. How you not read the defense? How you not read Huff? It's tough. But you're right. Borm had a tough, tough day. And um, I hope he can get it together, man, because you're right. He's not safe on the offensive line at all. And you just never know where Ryan Poles may go with this offensive line next season. So, Borm, you got to get together, bro, if you want to hang around. I mean, he'll probably be around as a backup or something like that. But I guarantee you, a lot of these guys that started ain't going to be starting next season because it's just this was their opportunity to show people what they had. And true. And a lot of what we're seeing is a lot of inconsistency. And we ain't got time for that shit next season. But we don't. But that being said, audience, we are turning the page from week 12 on to the Packers. Yeah, it's Packers week. <laughs> yeah. And like, like I said, audience, I know a lot of y'all have been feeling whatever kind of way about the Bears losing these games. But I tell you one week I ain't worried about them tanking. It's Packers week. Fuck that. We're going to beat the Packers. I don't give a fuck about no damn draft position. When it comes to the Packers, I want to beat their asses. When Aaron Rodgers ran his mouth and talked about how he owned us, yeah, okay. Let's see what you got in you now because you look like a fucking has-been out there on the field, bro. He's half banged up. He said he's going to try to play on Sunday. Couldn't even finish the last game he was in. Jordan Love came in there and kind of, you know, tried to do a little something-something. But Jordan Love, you still Jordan Love. You still trash. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, A-Dub, I'm excited about this week. This is one of the Bears-Packers games that I'm looking forward to because I'm like, look, we're going to win this one. We're going to beat their ass. The bad man is now the sad man. So I hope we come back and spank their butts, man, and get that victory. This is the one we need right here. Yeah, I know Stephen A. He loved to talk about somehow that dude's a bad man and all that bullshit. I'm like, yeah, all right, Stephen A. <laughs> all right, bro. That's why we give him a new nickname, the sad man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I ain't even gonna go there. I almost said something. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, audience, I'm working on myself. I'm trying to be a better man over here. So <laughs> but hey dude, man, it was it was really good chopping it up with you, man. Audience, we're on to the Packers. We're gonna have our preview show for you guys later in the week. Fuck draft position this week. Let's beat the pack. We appreciate you guys and your continued support of this platform. We're the bear essentials. And we are out.